0: Hello and welcome back to the show. In case you don't make it to the end, Nikki, our guest today, ran a summit called the Abundant Energy Summit, which is a list of the coolest speakers and topics that I've seen in a while about neurotransmitters, hormones different ways that your energy is affected and sapped by modern life and what you can do about it. She's given all of our listeners a coupon code. So if you go to notjustpaleo.com slash energy, you can see all of the speakers. And then if you use the code AES, Alpha Evan Snake, AES, AES special offer, you get 50% off for the next week, which is until February 10th. So, check that out, not just paleo.com slash energy. The coupon code's listed on my website in case you didn't hear me properly. And here's the show. Enjoy. Hello, Nikki. Welcome to the show.
1: Great. Thanks for having me, Evan. Great to be here.
0: You're welcome. So, this is a fun topic. I've not discussed this on the podcast except for one episode, which is something I did a little solo episode a couple weeks ago about emotional trauma and stress and how all this affects our health and I didn't realize how important this topic was until I had clients that were not getting better after we were adding in the right supplements we were doing the right lab testing things like that and this was the missing piece to the puzzle was emotional traumas or emotional issues so I'm really happy that you're here to talk about this stuff with us. What got you interested into emotional trauma as opposed to just being another diet and fitness coach out there like everyone else?
1: Well, I think I I realized early on that this was a critical factor. Um, And I I really understood from the beginning this kind of mind-body connection. And originally uh, in 2005, I met my business partner at that time. We were actually specializing in dealing with burnout, chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, that whole spectrum. And we actually co-founded a clinic in the UK and it became really the biggest mind clinic in the UK with patients in over 35 countries. And from the beginning, he was head up, he headed up psychology and I was the head of nutrition and we knew we 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 needed to do that to get the best results with patients so and Alex had himself, that was my business partner, had actually suffered from seven years of chronic fatigue, two years housebound very severe and had found he'd done everything on you know the physiological side, he'd done the diet, the supplements vegetarian, paleo, everything and and it hadn't resolved and the keys for him were finding that he needed to look at what was going on on the psychology side and then produced a whole set of uh, a program to deal with that for himself. And then he sort of brought that out to the wider public. And we actually got a pub- um, a pilot study published in the British Medical Journal Open, working with this um, two-pronged approach, this mind-body approach, um, because we just found it isn't enough. And I love functional medicine. I love what's happening with that movement. I think the paleo movement's fantastic. It's got lots, so much to offer. But I do think that emotional trauma and the psychology is the most underexposed risk factor for all chronic health conditions in the world today. I, it's my I'm sort of on this mission to get the word out um, about it. So that's a bit of background.
0: Oh, that's exciting! And I mean, you're honestly. It sounds like you're going a step above. And this is something that my goal is for this year too is to go a step above. So instead of saying, "Well, why has all this disease, this chronic fatigue, this adrenal fatigue, uh, fibromyalgia? Why is all this stuff happening?" And we could go to the nutrient deficiencies and all of that. But even a step deeper or a step higher, however you want to look at it is the emotional issue that led to maybe these bad food choices, for example, because someone has an emotional trauma. Am I hitting on kind of the right nerve here to start this thing off?
1: Absolutely. It's it's actually multifactorial how emotional trauma it affects behavior, like you say, destruct- and leading to destructive health patterns. But that's not the only aspect. It's the impact on uh, your actual biology through the stress mechanism. And it also affects beliefs, as well, which all feed back into behaviour, and we could we could touch on that a little bit more um, in a second. But I could share some of the the statistics are stunning, and if people understood some of the statistics about risk factors linked to adverse childhood experiences this This is the core this kind of the gold which kind of explains and shows people undeniably that it's probably the most important factor even beyond diet beyond toxins in the environment that this is it's the big one um and it's amazing to me that it's been it, it's still overlooked
0: so let's talk about some of the risk factors what are they
1: okay, so i'll talk about uh, yeah I'll, I'll expand on it so. There were some huge studies done in the mid-1990s by, it was the CDC and Kaiser Permanente jointly, Um, and Kaiser Permanente had a huge clinic with about uh, 50,000 people passing through the clinic, so they managed to do a study of 17,500 adults, and what they were looking for were what they were calling adverse childhood experiences, um, which are known as ACEs, and they just asked the person about 10 different types of ACEs that they'd identified, and then listed that and correlated it with their health over a lifetime. So just quickly, Adverse Childhood Experiences, how they defined the first ten, and this isn't an exhausted list either. An Adverse Childhood Experience was parents separating or divorce, physical, sexual or emotional abuse, uh, physical and emotional neglect, domestic violence, mental illness in the family, substance abuse or incarceration by fam- of a family member. So the first thing is that the overall stats that came back is at least 67% of all adults had one ace, which is amazing. And of those, 80% had experienced more than one ace. Now, in truth, I won't go into this too much detail, but the, the list of 10 aces they had there, that was actually an underestimate. There's, they missed off things like bullying, racism, physical trauma in, ty- in childhood, uh, witnessing violence, death of a caregiver, financial crisis at home, uh, homelessness. So it's actually higher than that. And the other the other reasons why it's higher is um, trauma, emotional trauma, is actually intergenerationally inherited as well. So you could do your own uh, ACE score. You could go and look at that and answer the questionnaire and it'd be zero for you. But you could be still impacted by uh, trauma in your parents or your grandparents. So, for example, third generation uh, survivors of the Holocaust victims have the same physiological symptoms of their grandparents for example so if you want to look at your a score you also want to look at mom and dad grandparents as well there's also something called covert trauma which essentially what traumatizes one person doesn't traumatize another so you there's actually even genetic backup for the idea that there are some people who are more sensitive their nervous system more sensitive the empaths they can feel energy in a room they can just more sensitive and so uh Violence or even not violence, but even verbal abuse can traumatize them more, for example, than someone else. So in truth, probably that qualifies just about everybody's had at least one ACE.
0: That's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, man, maybe I'm biased, but it sounds like no one would not have an ACE. It sounds like a double negative, but everyone's had one of those, it seems like.
1: Absolutely. So if you, you know, who should you be screening for ACEs? Everyone. You know, who should be looking at ACEs? All practitioners, everyone. So, and here's the the real killer. So if you have a high level of ACEs, it's correlated with a dramatic increased risk of developing seven out of top 10 causes of death. If you have four or more ACEs, your relative risk of things like chronic obstructive uh, pulmonary disorder is 2.5 times higher than people with no ACEs. Hepatitis risk is 2.5 times higher. Depression, 4, 4, 4.5 times higher. Cancer is 2.5 times higher. Diabetes, 1.6. Stroke, 2.6. Being suicidal, 12 times higher risk. If you have eight or more ACEs, you have triple the risk of lung cancer and you increase the risk of... Uh, of heart disease three and a half times. A person with six ACEs has a reduced lifespan of 20 years. There's a six-fold increased risk of chronic fatigue syndrome if you have ACEs, which is why it was my area which I got involved with. Fibromyalgia is hugely linked. 60% of women with fibromyalgia report um, suffered sexual abuse. Another study by the original researchers, so which is Kaiser Permanente and, and the CDC, looked at 15,500 adults and looked at autoimmune diseases. If you have two or more ACEs, you're 100% more likely to be diagnosed with rheumatic diseases. Um, with two ACEs, you have a 70% increased risk of the TH1 dominant conditions. So that's things like type 1 diabetes, multiple sclerosis, Hashimoto's, Graves' disease, Crohn's disease, celiac and so on. The 2H, TH2 dominant, you're 80% increased risk with two or more ACEs, that's lupus, allergies, ulcerative colitis, sinusitis, that kind of thing. Uh, and this is, this is stunning. If you think about how important autoimmunity is, especially how much we cover it in the kind of functional medicine community, the correlation of autoimmune onset in adulthood for women and ACEs is strongly linked to smoking and lung cancer. So it, it's like everything, it's every woman who has autoimmune disease needs to look back and, and check their ACEs. And there's other, it's hugely correlated with obesity as well. So that just gives you an idea. And Alzheimer's, 4.22 increased risk of Alzheimer's. So these are the statistics and it's mainstream peer-reviewed huge studies. And this is to me why I, I don't understand why more people haven't covered this, but it gives you an idea.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, that is incredibly insightful and mind-blowing. So, I mean, that that's that's the, you've already answered the main question is, is how important is this stress and emotional trauma picture? Because if you're not looking at this, then how are you going to get people better? And admittedly, I haven't used the ACE method, which I'm totally going to incorporate this into my practice now, but I've just sort of asked during my questionnaires and things like that, you know, history of traumas and different things like that. And if it's yes, then we dig a little bit deeper into it, but I haven't quantified it this accurately so that's awesome and and I appreciate you bringing this to light now with the trauma and the stress what is it actually doing I mean is this how is this setting the stage for these diseases is it tying into the HPA axis and it's putting people into adrenal burnout that way because of the trauma like how is this actually affecting the biology
1: yeah brilliant so of course ACEs uh, having ACEs in childhood will affect your behaviour and it will, as you know, if you think about young children that are going through a hard childhood, it does increase risk and, and of binge drinking, of eating bad foods, smoking and all the kind of destructive health patterns. And that's definitely correlated. And I think that's possibly also, by the way, why us as kind of more nutrition, bio- biology focused practitioners just tend to think, oh, well, that's just a referral to social services. But in truth, it's not the only factor. Yes, it's contributing. But here's the thing. If you have seven ACEs, you don't smoke, you don't drink normal cholesterol, you're not overweight, you still had a 360% increased risk of heart disease. It was the same with lung cancer, according to the research. If you don't smoke, but you have ACEs, you have an increased risk. So what's, what's the mechanism? This you've touched on it. It's definitely what the, the kind of experts in the area are looking at, and where the research is focused is this um, chronically activated stress mechanism, which is coming uh, being programmed in from childhood. And um, it's quite tragic when you hear what's happening. But if you you know trauma is so important in a child child's life because the brain's still developing. And when you've got these uh, kind of intermittent stressors or one-off shocks, this will actually program the brain, this neurotrans- um, neuroplasticity it means that you actually change the way the brain's functioning. It's called it's, uh, looking at something called limbic kindling. And this is an idea where the brain literally becomes kindled by the stressors. And this is gonna change the way that genes are read and transcribed, and you will be building neurons in the brain that literally hardwire you for the hyper stress response and excessive amygdala activity and response. And of course, that causes brain inflammation. That also causes this huge, you know, the cascading effect that's been well studied in the science of psychoneuroimmunology, where this uh, limbic kindling, the limbic uh, limbic system in the brain is directly connected to the hypothalamus, the pituitary and the adrenal access. So this sort of chronic, a, you're chronically stressed already, and you're wired that way, and you're more likely to be stressed. You have a lower threshold. This is what happens. So your threshold for what stresses you becomes lower, and that's going to lead to inflammation in the gut. It's going to um, change, uh, increase inflammation generally because the adrenals are worked out. So the uh, there's inflammation going on. It's going to increase free radical stress generally. All these kind, uh, and create dysbiosis in the gut. So stress is is. Well, research is creating uh, dis- emotional stress creates gut dysbiosis. There are even uh, animal studies where, if you take the monkey, or the baby monkey away from its mother too soon after it's born, it changes the, the gut flora forever. It's so this kind of thing. If you like this stress, which is being programmed in is stimulating all the core pathways that we understand that are the foundation of, of um, all the chronic complex illnesses. But one thing that is interesting is that this emotional trauma, we cover gut so much, don't we, in our, in our sort of community. We look at the gut, we look at inflammation, these pathways are so important. Actually, they're not a root cause, they're the mechanism and the the root cause is the emotional trauma and these other environmental factors obviously that contribute as well. So that's kind of one of my core messages from this.
0: (laughs) Well, that makes perfect sense. It's crazy to me. And I've, and I've researched into this whole stress picture. I actually have a talk that I have to do at a, at a health conference here in a few weeks about stress and adrenal issues. And I mean, the amygdala, the fear center, it grows, like you just mentioned, it grows in size and sensitivity to fear. And it's, talk about a vicious cycle I mean you have an event that's bad and stressful and that center of the brain grows and now it's going to be reacting to things that shouldn't even be as stressful it seems like you could never dig yourself out of that so where do we start I mean in terms of pulling people out of this I mean I've referred a lot of people to using emotional freedom technique and meditation and using sensory deprivation tanks and you know some different adaptogenic herbs and stuff like that but what else is there to this to this picture about digging ourselves out of this hole
1: yes yeah, so how how can we intervene so so first of all I'll just mention as well that aces also affect your beliefs and, and they also drive your personality because this comes into how you want to resolve it so if someone's had aces they've had tough childhood um, they didn't have the resilience at the time to deal with it um, through you know not having the right support being sensitive and so on you can have deep-seated beliefs of lack of self-worth, not deserving things. And by the way, that, that, you know, don't let's not underestimate the power of beliefs. Just think about the placebo effect. It's the 30% of all drugs work because of placebo, right? So you also have nocebo. So um, beliefs that will also, if someone deeply doesn't believe they're worthy of health, They will be consciously, I think, doing destructive health patterns and also it works directly on the body as well. Another thing about ACEs is is that it drives our core personality. So if we, say, for example, are excessively criticised, verbally abused by a parent, caregiver we could we can decide how we might respond to that. And there's a whole group of people that, for example, would become hyper-achievers. They become super, you know, they, they've got to constantly be perfectionists because they, they were trained because the parents gave them a, a core, a lack of self-worth. So they're constantly out themselves. So when it comes to looking at solutions and what to do about it and how we intervene, um, so first of all, the, th- the first thing I always say to people is obviously you want to get your A score and start exploring it. And I've actually got a comprehensive questionnaire um, so people can look at their a score it's at com a score so you can actually just slash a score lowercase one word so you can just start and start to explore and have a look start to think oh i've never connected that i had this health thing going on and it might be that you want super performance and actually you're not ill it could but they could still be impacting the efficiency of your biology so that's step one have explore of that I'll um, also one other quick resource. Um, there's one book that's, that's really good that's been written about this from last year, um, Childhood Disrupted by Donna Jackson Nakasawa. Now, other things that you can then do is things, there's things you can start doing at home. And this is um, things that you can start exploring. So one of the things that they're recommending is you can start writing and just journaling, just to start looking back at what happened during your childhood. I'd look at The Childhood Disrupted book um, tracks many patient stories in there. And it's hard to write about your own experience in a vacuum without a reference point of kind of, oh, well, this is how my childhood should have been. Because half the time we don't even know. We don't even realize we've actually not had the support or there was neglect going on. So writing um, can be helpful and journaling, starting to do that regularly. There's also, I mean, there's yoga, meditation and Tai Chi. Now, those things are supportive they do, you know, plenty of evidence showing that they balance the stress system. I think they, I do definitely recommend them. I think they're great, but they quite often aren't enough to, to resolve some of the, the more severe trauma. And with my patients, what I found is that sometimes we, there was, somebody was in such an anxious state that they just couldn't meditate at all. And then they get into that vicious cycle of, I mean, it's almost cruel. You have somebody who's got, a, you know, an amygdala that's overactive and neurons that are the neural pathways is sort of uh, trained for fear, and then you just sit someone down and get them to do meditation. That can be very difficult, and they'll either do it and then go straight back into the stress responses afterwards. So I, I don't always think it's enough. I think it's necessary but not enough.
0: Amazing. Um, can, I, can I intervene yes. here and ask you? Now, so say you do have that patient where they say, I can't meditate. I sit down and I either – increase my anxiety by sitting down and trying to meditate or they just can't do it like you said because the mind is too sensitive and they're too racy what do you do at that point how do you intervene maybe you were getting there but I just wanted to make sure that that I get some some insight of of what to do in that situation
1: well that's exactly and this is this was exactly what we why we created and created the clinic that we did for on the fatigue side because of the exact reason that people were too anxious to do the meditation so I think there's a, there's a first level, if, you've, if your brain is wired for the anxiety um, and it's a vicious circle and in a chronic complex illness, you can also start reacting to your own symptoms and you're, re- you're building the neural pathways through that too. Well, in, in the UK, interestingly, there has been three or four different practitioners that have uh, pioneered some amazing techniques based around NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And they've created what's called a stop technique. And it's essentially where you, there needs to be some awareness um, in the patient, obviously, and they coach and train that. And then every time you find yourself going down that pathway of a hyper-stress response to whatever it may be, a symptom, a person, a situation, and so on, you you, ha- you literally would stop and you bring yourself. The idea is you bring your, your body, mind, emotions into the present moment. You feel your feet, your hands, you breathe, you become conscious, and then you make a decision not to react like that. So um, there's Annie Hopper, no, I also run, we can talk a bit more about this, but I'll connect in. So I ran the Abundant Energy Summit uh, last year in August, and we talked to all the practitioners doing this work. So there was Annie Hopper who was on the Abundant Energy Summit. and is uh, a Canadian. She uses an NLP technique focusing on multiple chemical sensitivity reactions, for example. Um, and Ashok Gupta focuses um, was on the summit and focused on, dealing with more of the chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia range of people. And it was fascinating because he went to the entire stress stress model. He, they both said, you know, if somebody's had, you know, imagine if you had 20, 30 years of being in a stress response, it's not going to change overnight. And this is also something that Dr. Jeff Bland said, you know, what we want to do is switch off genes. You know, we want to change the epigenetic expression. And I definitely think you, you can do that with NLP. But you're probably in a severe cases, you're looking at an hour a day for six months, for example, If in severe cases. And it can, it can happen faster for some people. Now, once that's just the brain work, okay? So that's just getting the neural pathways, like, calmed down. So most people with a lot of anxiety and stress live in their heads. They're living in this mental state the whole time. And when we calm them down with the NLP, all sorts of stuff happens because now they can actually feel their feelings the stuff that shunted them in the head in the first place. So they were trying to escape from feeling their body and their feelings because it's painful. Uh, there's depression there. There's numbness. So you first have to kind of clear the brain stuff, do the, do some of the NLP stuff, and then you can go deeper. I mean, trauma, emotional trauma, this is the interesting thing. NLP won't cure all emotional trauma. Some, sometimes you can, and there are other techniques, by the way, like hypnosis, um, just psychotherapy can be very useful. Just speaking to somebody about experiences from childhood, because maybe you've never spoken about it. Maybe it's been a big secret. So just talking about it—that's all very therapeutic, very calming, and you'll feel better from just doing that. But we found that also for some people they need to go even deeper. So they've just been totally disconnected from their bodies. And if you if you look at what all the world-leading experts are saying about uh, emotional trauma, the ones dealing with you know the war veterans, PTSD, and that kind of thing, trauma is stored in the body and the body keeps the score and um, time doesn't heal, it conceals, it conceals. And so a lot of the trauma work is also to do with body work. And actually, this is where yoga has been found to be great because it gets people's awareness back in their body. Um, So unresolved emotional trauma and negative emotions get stored in the body. And you need to connect back into them in order for them to release. So I'll just mention one other person, Dr. Peter Levine, wrote a brilliant book called Waking the Tiger, world expert on trauma. His therapy is based around something called somatic experiencing. And he observed animals that when they have a trauma, they release it through their body immediately and the body shakes. And have noticed that the animals do this. So... This kind of body work, um, you actually guide patients to releasing trauma that way. And there's there's other things. I don't want to overwhelm people. So there's EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. The good news is there's a lot out there. Um, There's a lot of help out there. And people need to... Kind of figure out what's going to work for them by starting an exploration, find out their aces, start writing, read a few books and listen to some of the practitioners talking about it. And this is the way that I've found that patients work out what they need is by listening to a practitioner talking about their own experience, how they work with people and, and stories from the patients they have treated. And some people go, oh, my God, that's me. <laughs> They'll listen to something and go, that that thing they do for the, for NLP, that's me. I need that. And then someone else won't relate to it at all, and they won't need to do the brain work. But they go, oh, my, I need to do something more subtle. I need to feel my feelings, and I need to sort of work on this more energetically. And I, I want to do something more on the kind of breath work, the yoga side of things. So, um, yeah, yeah. Just like we have biochemical individuality, we also have psychological individuality. And what works for one isn't going to work for another. So, you know, it's an exploration.
0: That makes perfect sense. Well, I've covered this on the show a few times different researchers talking about psychedelics and how they're healing people from ptsd and lifelong emotional traumas i know they're doing some research now at john hopkins i think they're using let's see so i know they're using psilocybin in one study and i believe they're using mdma in another study and they're healing people with one dose of you know 30 years of trauma so i'm curious to see what the next five or ten years brings i mean there's so many new tools to the toolbox that we have that we're not even fully aware of their potential yet so this is really exciting times for this stuff
1: definitely yeah there's there's new stuff coming out all the time and I I think it's going to be very interesting the next five years I think this I think the focus on consciousness I think is going to increase like personal awareness and you know one of the, th- the reasons I when I did my summit I ran it with um a, the, probably the world's leading theoretical psychologist which was Ken Wilber and what we actually did is we expanded the functional medicine model the kind of the systems biology approach to actually expand it to include an exploration of the internal side of things so we sort of live a life unexplored um, you know people don't know who they are you know what they've experienced why they even do what they do um, so we you know we, it's a it's a sort of unexplored life and this is one last thing i'll mention that i also recommend people do is this exploration there's a system called the Enneagram personality typing system, and it's nine personality types. Actually, pretty well researched. It's based on perennial wisdom. It seems to have been passed down from different epochs and eras. And psychologists have keep reusing it. And there's some some major professors of psychology at major universities using it. And it's a big part of Ken Wilber's work as well. And the Enneagram type will help you identify this common types of human expression if you like and you could by checking out which type you are and you can actually do that um, for free online at the best Institute that works with the Enneagram it's called the Enneagram it's enneagraminstitute.com that's a double n e a g r a m enneagraminstitute.com they you can just do a free questionnaire on their website and that's another really great way to explore Um, Don Rizzo, Russ Hudson, who founded that institute, have a book called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. Um, And you can start to sort of look and find out, wow, I see how I was molded. I became an achiever. I was a perfectionist, actually. Or I became a helper or I was the peacekeeper. I became the boss. Um, Those are all the sort of some of the types. But um, we actually talked about that in depth with Dr. Joan Brysenko, who's, you know, really one of the founding mothers if you like of the whole immunology movement and the mind body movement and she connected aces to you know being driven and she herself had been a burnout case and she talked about she listed her emotional trauma she said I became a super achiever and I got three PhDs from Harvard University and you know and I constantly burn out and I was like yes this is uh, it was a personality driven thing so sometimes um you know it's not You know, who we are, our personality is so tied into it. And that it plays into how we're going to respond to treatment. A lot of people do their treatment like if you're an achiever type, you do your treatment like an achiever. (laughs) So you expect immediate results, you completely overdo it. And um, as me as a practitioner, I'm trying to calm the person down and slow them down. And, you know, sometimes less is more and, and stuff like that. And then you have other people who aren't following the treatment closely enough because they're helper types and they've given all your recommendations away from someone else because they put everyone else before themselves so it plays into every part of the work we do as clinicians as well
0: well i'm looking we we got to talk about your summit because this is this is so cool i mean i'm looking at some of the speakers now i can't wait to get access to this and listen to these talks i mean you have james osman here talking about earthing you got william walsh who's his book was awesome about the brain, you know, balancing your neurotransmitters for energy. I mean, this this is really cool. Now, you said that everyone listening, they're going to get seven days to get a discounted version uh, of your absolutely.
1: summit. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to give you uh, – I can give it to you now. Or I can send it to you on the email afterwards, um, the discount code where everybody for seven days can get 50% off Perfect. Uh, on-
0: yeah. i I will announce that at the end of this show, but for now, people they can just go to not just paleo dot com slash energy and they'll be able to find it thirty talks on here this is motivating me, Nikki, because I haven't announced it until just now, right the second that I'm doing that adrenal fatigue summit with Dr Alan Christensen late this year, and i just I think this model is amazing because there's so many different pieces to the puzzle where you're seeing patients and many of these other people are, and we're creating a synergy. It's kind of like if you just take one herb by itself, it's good. But if you take two together that both work with each other, you intensify the effect. And I think that's exactly what's happening with the information that people get in these type of events. So I commend you for, for putting something together this massive. I mean, this is, this is so cool.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, we explored the whole mind-body model. So I had all the major, you know, uh, people on there who were looked at the biological causes of health issues and, and fatigue, you know, um, the Liz Lipskis for the digestive wellness, Dr. Tom O'Brien on gluten and things like that. But then we also looked at... Um, many of the people on the mind-body side, even people like Lynn McTaggart, who's the, you know, the intention uh, lady. And so we, we literally looked at all of it and created, expanded the systems biology model to how, it because it's not enough. And I think this would be the last sort of thing I would say, you know, we've, even I think I love the movement and uh, of what we're involved with the health movement, and I think we still talk about stress. Though we reduce we, we reduce everything to do with this emotional trauma down to one word, which is stress, and then we assume that's just a referral off to a psychology practitioner. You know, and in truth, that that word stress, we need to. As the other thing is, people still think stress is. What is stress? Oh, it's just mod- stresses of modern day living. You know, it's having cell phones and emails going off all the time. It's, you know, stress of modern modern day living. That's such a shallow understanding of what we're really talking about. The stress. It's it's much deeper than that. It's it needs much more differentiation and much more self awareness. So I'm kind of on a mission to help do that. Yes, yeah, so I think it's fantastic that you're doing um, the summit there with Dr. Alan Christensen. He's superb as well. Read his book. I followed his um, recommendations in his adrenal reset book. Fantastic! Um, so you've got a, a super person you're doing a summit there with, and, and yeah, it, it would be great to expand the model so that you also include all, a bit more on the stress side. Just generally, we need to do that as a community, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wrote my second ebook on stress. It's called Stress Solutions, where I outlined everything. You know, the emotional stress, the physical you know, toxin stress, things like that. But to me I think a book's still not enough. I mean it's it's done really well, but to me I I'm a visual learner and I'm an audio learner and I need to hear and have like a more visceral experience with this stuff. And I mean even just this podcasting model where we're talking about this to me this is this is resonating and, and clicking with me way better than if I were to just read a couple paragraphs or a couple books even, you know, there's something about hearing people and you're sort of daydreaming while you're listening at the same time and visualizing what you've what you've gone through. I mean, I think this is just—I don't know. I, I learned better this way, so I'm assuming that uh, the millions of other people that are partici- participating in the events feel the same.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we need video, we need audio, we need transcript, and we need—we definitely need to hear the stories from the people, and we need to, yeah, these kind of inter- inspirational stories of recovery and things like that as well. I
0: agree. So, I mean, we're programmed for that story. We're designed to sit around the campfire and, and listen and, and hear what's going on and, and what we can do about it. So that's really exciting, and I appreciate your, your insight here. This has been really fun. Where, where else should people keep up with you? We'll send them back to your website. Uh, I just saw that you posted an article about energy vampires, which my wife and I talk about all the time. I, have, <laughs> I haven't read it yet, uh, but I'm assuming it's going to be a great article that I need to read, and I'm going to post that up for people to, to go check out as well.
1: Awesome. Yeah, um, so people just go to my website, which is um, nikigratrix.com. That's N-I-K-I-G-R-A-T-R-I-X.com. Um, you've got the ACE score on there that people can check straight away as well. And, yeah, I'm always bringing out kind of new articles that are linked. So you mentioned the energy vampires. It's interesting. If you have emotional trauma, you're more likely to be an energy vampire yourself sometimes and be fed upon by others. You're less resilient. <laughs> so it actually links. So people who are energy vampires have usually got ACEs, and that's so it's linked. But, um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully it will be an enjoyable um, side for that too.
0: Well, thank you, Nikki. This has been fun. I look forward to having you back in the near future.
1: Great. Thanks so much for having me, Evan. And and thank you for the work that you do. The important work that you're doing on this, you know, ongoing fantastic podcast and getting the major information that people need out there.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. Take care.
1: Thanks. Bye. Bye.
0: Well, that was fun. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Definitely go check out Nikki's summit. You can go to notjustpaleo.com slash energy, and here's the coupon code. I'm amazed that she did this, so you definitely want to take advantage of it. The coupon code is going to be on the website as well. If you go to notjustpaleo.com and you look for the latest post, Not Just Paleo podcast number 169, you're going to be able to see the coupon code written out, but it is as follows. I know you're listening. And you're like, dude, I'm not going to write it down. Well, okay, here it is anyway. A- E S special offer. Okay, that's it. Yeah. So A, all lowercase. A is in alpha. E is in Evan. S is in snake. A E S special offer. All one word. That is the discount code. You're going to get 50% off her entire summit, which is 30 different presentations. There's like 20 books you get for free. It's ridiculous. You get. What else do you get? The free books, the 30 talks. Oh, the transcripts. That's the other cool part because for me, I want to be able to hear and see specifically on a piece of paper what they're talking about. So you get all the transcripts. Anyway, she's giving all of our listeners here 50% off for the next seven days. So this is today, Wednesday, February 3rd. And this offer expires Wednesday, February 10th where you get this content that we talked about today a lot more in-depth. And that coupon code, AES, Special Offer, all lowercase, 50% off. That's pretty sweet. Thank you, Nikki. I'll let you guys go. If you want to schedule a free consult with myself in the meantime, let's talk about your health goals, your health symptoms. Get an action plan. We don't just take a bunch of lab work and just... Here you go. Good luck. No, I'm going to help you create an action plan and that's something I find that most practitioners don't do. So, you can do that back at the website, not just paleo.com. I'll talk to you next week. Take great care. Bye-bye.